Good morning. How you guys doing? Okay, good. It's good to see you guys. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at River Glen, and I'm so excited that you're here. We're continuing our series called Love Can, where we're looking at what God's love can do in our lives and the impact that it has. A couple weeks ago, our lead pastor, Ben, he kicked the series off by talking about how love can rescue our relationships, and no matter where we are, how good or bad or how ugly our relationships are, God can continue to rescue them and restore them to where they need to be through love. And last week, Ben talked about how love can overcome our circumstances, no matter What's going on in our lives? Love can help us overcome in those situations. And today I'm honored to be here as we continue this series by talking about how love can change our purpose. Let me ask you, have you guys ever had someone come into your life that just completely changed your life forever? Just flipped your world upside down. You were never the same person again. Once they came into your life, nothing was the same. Well, this has happened to me a few times. One of the biggest times was about 13 years ago. And here's the situation. I was 16 years old. I was at one of my most favorite places on this planet. It's called Deep Valley Camp. Now, Deep Valley was a Christian camp that I went to since I was a little kid. Once a year, I'd go for a week of camp. And at this camp, it was a great chance to just build on friendships that I had, build my relationship with God, and feed my competitive nature. Now, most of you should, you should know about me. I am very competitive. I love to win, and I'll do whatever it takes to win. I'll risk relationships. I once pushed a middle school girl to the ground in order to win a game. I was 27 when it happened. (laughs) Not one of my finest moments. I love to win, and at Deep Valley, we played a lot of competitive games, and these games weren't the games where, like, everybody wins and everyone gets a trophy, none of that junk. This was about there's a winner and there's a loser, and there's bragging rights on the line, and I was going to do whatever it took to win. If it was capture a flag, I was going to win. If it was dodgeball, if it was kickball, if it was football, I was going to win. If it was trivia or first one in line for lunch or whatever it is, I'm going to win whatever competition they throw my way because that's who I was. I love games. I love competition. Uh, and I tend to focus on myself and try to win all the time. Now, the biggest game we played at Deep Valley, though, every summer was this game called Squamish. Squamish was this game we found that, it, that the leaders found in an old Mad Magazine article. It's a weird game. It's kind of a mix between football, soccer, and rugby all mixed together. But it has these really weird rules attached to it. Like, for instance, before you tackle the ball carrier, you have to yell out, org. Makes sense, right? Well, it's kind of weird. So why don't you just, just practice this with me? Let's, let's say org together on a count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Org. So you guys are ready to play Squamish. This is going to be great. We'll play after service. It's going to be good times. Um, but Squamish was this crazy physical, intense game, and it was the thing that everybody talked about. From Sunday when all the campers, we got there, we talked about Squamish up until we played Thursday afternoon. It was tradition. We talked trash. We wondered how they were going to split up teams. We made custom t-shirts to play in that day. It was a big deal. And the thing with Squamish is, is I'm actually really good at this game. And people knew that I was good, and I liked that people knew that I was good because I was all about myself, and I wanted people to know that I was good at this weird game called Squamish. If it's ever in the Olympics, I'm playing. I'm in. But Squamish finally came that week. It's Thursday afternoon. We're playing, and I don't remember what the situation was, but all I remember was it was close. The score was close. It was towards the end of the game, and my team needed the score, and so I got in crazy mode. I was going to score a goal, and I got the ball, and I'm running with the ball, and I just see my lane, and I'm going as fast as I can. My eyes are locked on the goalie. The goalie's getting scared because they know I'm coming. I'm going to score this goal, and I, nothing is going to stop me. I am a runaway train at this point, and I'm going, and I'm running, and all the 
of a sudden, as I'm running, I hear org, and I feel these arms wrap around me, and I get tackled. I get laid out onto the ground, and I get up, and I'm thinking, what 250-pound muscle-bound linebacker who could play for the Packers just tackled me? And I turn around, and I look, and there is this little, innocent, cute girl this is not supposed to happen, mind you. And everybody's laughing. Everyone's having a good time because Brandon, the ultra-competitive one, just got tackled by a girl. Now, it wasn't just any girl. She's not my wife. Yep. My wife, Danielle, and I, we started talking because she tackled me in Squamish. Now, I want to say something. She was, she was not this little dainty girl. She's gorgeous. She's awesome. But Danielle, she, you won't know because she doesn't brag about it like I brag. I'm, I'm, I'm arrogant. Um, Danielle is an awesome athlete. And she was great at Squamish too. And obviously she laid me out. I mean, she just took me out. She was like the best player on the field that day. Uh, but ever since Danielle tackled me, my life has never been the same. She has changed my world in so many ways. I am wiser because of Danielle. I'm more patient now because of Danielle. I'm not as competitive anymore. Uh, I only push middle school girls every once in a while. Um, I love and follow Jesus better now because of Danielle. And this all happened because Danielle has loved me with this pure, God-given love. You see, love can change your purpose, and God did that through Danielle. And we all have these people in our lives that have come in and they just flipped our world upside down. So they make us a better version of ourselves. Our lives will never be the same since that person came into our lives. They've changed our purpose because here's what's important to realize. We all have this tendency to miss our purpose in life. We have this tendency to start focusing on ourselves, to become selfish, we become competitive, and when we live that type of life out, we, we, we hurt ourselves and we hurt others in the process. And we think about every fight you've ever gotten into with your spouse or significant other. I'm willing to bet that every time that happens, there is a huge element of selfishness that plays into that, that makes that fight elevate to something that's not healthy. Because selfishness is something we do. We, we live in the world of me. We lose, we lose our purpose. We become all about ourselves. And when we do that, we miss out on the life that God wants for us. And so what happens? How, how does that change? How, do we, how does our lives change? How does our purpose change to not being about ourselves, but about something else? Well, that's what love does. Specifically when someone comes into our lives and loves us in a way that flips our world completely upside down. There's a story in the Bible where love completely changes someone's purpose because Jesus came into their lives. And it's the story of Zacchaeus, and it's found in Luke 19. So if you have your Bibles or your app on your phone, feel free to open up so that we can follow along. How many of you guys have ever heard of Zacchaeus before? Zacchaeus, there's a good few of you. Okay, so Zacchaeus, I've known about him since I was a little kid. But the majority of my knowledge of Zacchaeus came in the form of a song. You guys know what I'm talking about, the song? Okay, if you know this song, join in with me. Don't let, don't let me embarrass myself by myself. But the song went like this. It was like, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. See, if artists won't let me sing on the weekends with them, I'll sing when I teach. They can't stop me. Yeah. But seriously, that was my knowledge of Zacchaeus. It was this song, it was this kid's song when I learned when I was a little kid. 
But when I look at this story of Zacchaeus, it is so much more than a song. It is this moment, this experience of life transformation, and it all happened to Zacchaeus because Jesus loved him. Here's the situation. It's Luke 19, verses 1 through 4. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So Jesus is traveling with his crew, and they come up on this city called Jericho. And in Jericho, in this area, this region, Zacchaeus is there. This is where he lived. And the Bible said that Zacchaeus is is the chief tax collector, and he's wealthy. Now, those two facts are extremely important to this uh, scene, this situation we're about to see in the Bible. You see, Zacchaeus, he was a Jew. He was one of God's chosen people, but he also chose to be a tax collector working for the Roman government. And so his job was to fulfill the Roman law, the Roman mission, by, by handling the heavy taxes, by collecting the heavy taxes that the Roman government put on the Jews. And these were extreme taxes. We think taxes get bad now. It doesn't compare to what they were dealing with back in this culture. And so Zacchaeus is this tax collector, and what was common in that day is the tax collectors would actually raise the taxes a little bit more and they would pocket that extra percentage and then give the rest back to what the Roman government required. And they would pocket this extra money and they would become very wealthy in the process. And there would be this selfish, sinful, just group of people who were tax collectors and this made the Jews despise them hated them, and they hated Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, so he was in charge of all the other tax collectors, made him you know, you know, the, the upper echelon of tax collectors. He was the wealthiest of the people in that region, all while being a Jew. So essentially, he sold out his own people. He was a traitor. He helped the Roman government, suppressed the Jews, and he benefited from it. He became rich because of this job, and no wonder the Jews hated him. He was all about himself. Jews hated tax collectors so much that they had their own category for them. They referred to you know, non-Jews as sinners, and then they had tax collectors. There was just general sinners is how Jews described them, but then tax collectors stood up in their own category because they were scum of the earth. They were disgusting human beings, so they sat in their own category. And this is who Zacchaeus was. But Zacchaeus heard about this Jesus guy. He heard about probably his miracles he was performing just on the outskirts of Jericho. He heard about this, how he was flipping this word upside down, and he wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He wanted to see what this guy was all about. This wealthy, proud, selfish traitor of a man wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And so he ran to where the crowd was gathered, knowing he was coming, but the crowd was too big and he was too short. Remember, he was a wee little man. And the Jews hated him so much, there's no way they were going to like move so he can get to the front of the crowd so they can see Jesus. They hated him. They probably made fun of him in this situation. He probably looked like Danny DeVito. That's how Zacchaeus looks in my mind for some reason. He's this short guy and he's probably like jumping, trying to see over the crowd. And they're like, oh man, you're having some trouble there, big guy? Just short. Keep trying, man. They're probably making fun of him because they hate this guy. But Zacchaeus is not going to be deterred. He's, he's not going to fail. He's not going to stop. And so he sees this sycamore tree and he climbs it because that could get him over top of everybody to see Jesus coming. And this is crazy because a man of that stature, a man of that wealth, the man who was feared in his community, for him to humble himself to climb a tree was kind of embarrassing for someone of his status in that culture. But he wants to do it because he wants to see Jesus. 
And so he's in this tree waiting to see Jesus, and then this is what happens. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. So, we, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now imagine Zacchaeus' reaction. He just wants to see this man. He wants to see this Jesus that he hears about. And he's up in this tree, and Jesus is walking by, and he looks up and sees him and says, Hey, Zach, dude, man, what are you doing? Come down, because I'm going to come to stay at your place today. I'm going to hang out, eat some dinner, have a good time. Now, how crazy is that? First of all, Jesus knows his name. Now, maybe Jesus is some big fan of tax collectors, and he collects the trading cards, and he studies their stats and their names in the back of the card. Who knows? Or, or maybe Jesus knows his name because he's God. I don't know. It's one of those options, I'm guessing. Either way, Jesus knows his name. And he says to him, Zacchaeus, I want to come and hang out with you. And Zacchaeus gets down and welcomes him gladly into his home. Now, this is a big deal because staying at someone's house in this culture was a sign of respect and honor. It was showing Zacchaeus that Jesus accepted him and loved him, and this was probably causing a ruckus with the rest of the crowd. They're probably looking at these two people. You have Jesus, who is love. He's flipping this world upside down. He is the Messiah they've been waiting for. Then you have Zacchaeus, who's a traitor. He's hated. He blackmails people. He does whatever he can for himself to benefit for himself, and Jesus decides to hang out with Zacchaeus of all the people that day. And they're probably talking amongst themselves like, what is Jesus doing? Doesn't he know who this guy is? He's a traitor. He's scum. He's evil. But Jesus knew all of that and still chose to hang out with Zacchaeus and go to his house. And because Jesus came into Zacchaeus' life, he flipped his world upside down, completely transformed him, changed his purpose. Now, we don't know the conversation that Jesus and Zacchaeus had, but we do see Zacchaeus' response to that conversation in verse 8 in chapter 19. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus takes all of his wealth and gives it away to the poor. Notice he called Jesus Lord, which shows that Jesus is his master now. He is following Jesus. And on top of that, he tells Jesus if, if he cheated anybody, he'll pay back what he cheated them four times the amount. He completely changed. This selfish man became selfless, giving his wealth, which he loved, away to people who needed it more than him. Love can change our purpose. And this is what happened. Zacchaeus' purpose was changed because of Jesus. And then Jesus declared to the crowd in verses 9 and 10, he said, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was this low-life, selfish man, but when he experienced the love of Jesus, he was completely transformed. His purpose was changed this is what love does. This is what happens when Jesus comes in to our lives. It'll never be the same again. Love takes the most selfish, evil, vile person on this planet and flips their world upside down. It changes them from the inside out. It changes their heart. It changes their mind. It gives them a new purpose. Love can do amazing and miraculous things, and that's what Jesus' love can do. I mean, look at Zacchaeus. He is really just this most hated guy on the planet at this time. He's evil. He's not good. He's selfish. He blackmailed people. When you break it down, he really is scum. He's not a good person. But Jesus loved him. 
Jesus knew him, and Jesus knew the deepest part of him. He knew his actions. He knew his thoughts. He knew everything that he had done and will do in the future. He knew he wasn't a good person, but that did not keep Jesus from loving him. And when Zacchaeus experienced this love, probably for the first time in his life, it completely changed him. He started serving the poor. He started righting his wrongs. Because Zacchaeus was loved by Jesus, he started loving like Jesus. Now here's the kicker of this story. This is where this story for me becomes way more than a song. Because when I'm honest with myself, I'm just like Zacchaeus. I'm selfish, I can be lazy, I covet, I judge others, I get angry. I don't love my wife the way I should. I don't love my kids sometimes the way I should. And some of you are thinking right now, how is this guy a pastor? I think the same thing sometimes. Like sometimes I think if I wasn't so good looking, everybody would hate me. And see, I'm arrogant too. See, I'm horrible. I'm just like Zacchaeus. Sound like someone else you know? And not the person beside you. If you're honest with yourself, I'm sure you're just like me. And you're just like Zacchaeus. You can be selfish, you can get angry, you can judge, you can covet, you don't give your spouse the love they need, not the love they deserve, the love they need. There's a big difference. You don't give your kids the time and attention and love they need sometimes. You're like Zacchaeus. I'm like Zacchaeus. We're all like Zacchaeus. And Jesus knows that. Jesus knows you. He knows all of your thoughts, all of your actions. He knows the sin that you've done, the bad that you've done. He knows the good that you've done. He knows everything, past, present, and future, and he still chooses to love you. He knows that if we're honest with ourselves, we are unworthy of Jesus' love, but he still chooses to love us anyway. The difference, though, for some of us in this room is some of us have experienced this love and some of us haven't. Some of you know and have experienced Jesus' love. He knows you've experienced, you've been transformed by that love, how he's given you a new life, he's given you a new heart, he's given you, he's transformed your mind, he's changed your purpose. And you know now that because you've been loved by Jesus, you're learning to love like Jesus. But for others of you in this room, you've never experienced that love. Jesus has never really come into your life and flipped your world upside down. You know about Jesus, you, you believe in Jesus, you're intrigued by him, but you're kind of like Zacchaeus right now. You want to catch a glimpse of him, but you're doing so from a distance. You're kind of up in your tree or up in your mezzanine or wherever you're at. And you're looking and you want to catch a glimpse of him. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't change you from a distance. He changes you when he comes into your life, when your life has a collision with Jesus. When that love comes into your life, when Jesus comes into your life, that is when we're transformed. That's when our purpose changes. That is when our world is flipped upside down. It doesn't happen from a distance. And here's the thing. Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to flip your world upside down. He wants to change your purpose. This is what his love can do for you. He loves you so much that all the stuff that you've done in your life, all the stuff you're, you're not proud of, that has hurt you, that you're ashamed of, all the sin, Jesus loved you so much that he died for that. He paid the penalty for that because he loves you so much that he did that so he could come in to your life. That's the love that he has for you. And so some of you need to get out of your tree and accept the invitation that Jesus has given you to come into your life. Because sometimes we think that we're seeking Jesus out, but I think we have that wrong. I don't think we're seeking Jesus out as much as he's seeking us out. 
I think Jesus is on this crazy mission right now to come into your life. He's seeking you out with this passionate, ferocious love because he loves you and he wants to change you. He wants you to live a life that God has for you. And so he is inviting himself into your life. And if that's you, if that's you today and you know who you are because you're feeling it right now, the Holy Spirit is talking to you, if that's you, my prayer for you today is you don't leave here without talking to a pastor or a Stephen's minister or someone who can walk alongside you in this. You can stop at the info center or talk to me or one of the other staff members and volunteers. We'll get you connected with somebody. Or if you, if you don't have time today, uh, fill out a connect card and see back in front of you and just simply check, I'd like to talk to a pastor. We'll call you this week and we'll talk. Because for some of you, that's your step to accept Jesus' invitation to come into your life so we can change your purpose. Because then when we've been loved by Jesus, we're then called to love like Jesus. This is my favorite part of Zacchaeus' story. He didn't just accept Jesus' love and go, cool, thanks, Jesus, appreciate it, man. No, his world was changed. He was transformed. His actions changed. He started loving like Jesus, and that's what we're called to do as well. You see, this church is filled with people who love like Jesus, all because we've first been loved by Jesus. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. And so for, for those of us in this room who have been transformed by Jesus, for those of us whose purposes have been changed by Jesus' love, it's not about us anymore. It's about following and living and loving like Jesus. We're called to love like Jesus. And this is why I love this church. Because it is filled with people who love like Jesus. Do you know that four times a year on the fifth Wednesday of the month, there's a group of people that cooks and provides a meal for over 250 people at the Bread of Healing Ministry in Milwaukee? Most of those people don't know where their next meal is coming from, but every time there's a fifth Wednesday, like this upcoming Wednesday, we provide that meal. These people love like Jesus by doing that. And for some of you in this room today, a way you can love like Jesus is by simply walking out of this room and going over to the Bread of Healing table and picking up some of those pans and cooking some food this week to feed to those people because they need it. And this is how we love like Jesus because he loved us. I love this church because of people like that. Did you also know there's a care group that started that's dedicated to caring for parents with kids who are adopted or foster kids? It's called Love's Journey, and they meet on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month, twice a month, and they get together and they love each other like Jesus loves them, and they care for each other because that is a difficult world to be parenting in. And so for some of you, if you're in that world, that's a group that you should be a part of. Or if you know somebody in that world who foster cares or they've adopted kids, you need to point them in that direction for that group. Do you also know there's a number of small group leaders who have been praying for you who aren't in a small group in this room for you to join a small group this year. They've been praying for you for a while because they know, we know that together we are better and that is where we can experience Jesus' love together. I know this is a scary step, so we wanna help you with that. Right after this service, down the hall in the Family Life Center, we have group link after this. We'll take care of your kids. We'll feed you lunch. We'll feed them lunch. And it's a great chance for you to meet some small group leaders to see what it's like to join a small group. We've been praying for you, and I encourage you to take that step today if, if, if you're in that, in that position. I love this church because of our small group leaders and our care ministry because they love like Jesus. Do you also know that at this church, there are kids and teenagers who love like Jesus and who are transforming our community, they're transforming our world because they've been loved like Jesus, so they're loving like Jesus by serving, by reaching out to their friends and their family. They are doing amazing things. I am so proud to be at a church like Riverland that has ministries like Kid Life and Edge and Slife. 
because of the kids and the leaders who are part of that and how they're changing this world. This past summer, I was invited to come speak at a camp uh, and teach a a week of middle schoolers, but this camp asked me to bring some people along because they did not have enough people to run the camp. And I knew exactly who to bring, some of our teenagers who loved like Jesus. And so I reached out to them, and they all said yes instantly, and you know where I took them? Deep Valley Camp. Yep, place of the infamous tackle. And I've been going to Deep Valley since I was a little kid. But I have never experienced a week like this in my entire life at Deep Valley. And the main reason for that is because of these teens, these, some of these high school, college kids loving like Jesus. But instead of me telling you, I want you to hear their story. Check out this video. I would describe Deep Valley as a family. It's a big group of people, uh, middle schoolers and adults who are just all working together uh, for God. And it was just like a, it was like a big family with everybody. Um, I think that it, like the trip just like opened my eyes to like see that I can be like a good leader and like impact kids. I learned that it's not like about specifically where you end up or what you're doing, but like whatever situation you're in, you can use that to honor God and um, and praise Him throughout it. Even if you don't feel equipped, you can always help somebody out. Like if there's somebody that's sitting by themselves or they're just not engaging in activities that we're putting on, and you, if you just give them a moment of your time, you can change their life. That simple. The week at Deep Valley was just kind of reassurance for me that I have been given gifts to reach out to others and there is places that God is leading me and he has a bigger plan and it's not my job to control everything and figure it all out right now. You know, you get so caught up in in school and work and life in general, sports, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, and then you come to a, a camp like Deep Valley and you see... Uh, God moving through these kids and he showed me that that giving to them that trumps anything that you could ever do just giving to someone and helping them out uh, that's definitely what God showed me my favorite moment uh, there's a boy named Hunter and uh, it was our first small group and uh, when he came in uh, his exact words were I am not a Christian I don't expect to ever be one and uh by the end of the week, he wanted to be baptized. And just watching him, um, just like his faith, like grow stronger throughout the week. It was just awesome to watch. Like I felt God, like at, at moments. Honestly, as weird as it sounds, but I did. We had um, a, a kid that we ended up praying over because he was just having some personal problems. But when we were all just sitting in a circle and, and praying for him, I just I knew that God was there and that God was gonna protect him and do the right thing. And it was it was really really awesome to be part of that. You know, you felt God throughout the week and um, during praise and worship and sermons and testimonies. You know, you just, you felt like God was there and everybody kind of felt it and uh, it made the week kind of special. Uh, Each story every night, each campfire session was just uh, building more and more my faith with God. And I got to a point, um, it was middle of the week and I just broke down with Brandon and 
I just had some stuff that I had to get off my chest. And that, that talk uh, solidified that uh, the path of Christ is the only one that I should take. Um, and I decided to get baptized. So on the 4th of July, that morning, I got baptized in a creek in <laughs> Pennsylvania. And it uh, completely changed my purpose. You know, I'm volunteering a lot more at church. I'm helping out with whatever I can. And I'm not letting, letting other things uh, get in the way of my, my relationship with God. And that's how I changed my purpose. What's a crick? I've never been asked that before. <laughs> What's a crick? Creek. A river. Small little, a little river. Like a baby river. But, but it's like really it's strong deep, current. And it's strong. Yeah. I tried to swim against it and it was hard. It's like a current. I've watched that video like five times and I just, every time it gets me. I love this church because we have teenagers that do that. They love like Jesus because Jesus loved them. I love this church because, you know, next weekend, we're giving away our entire offering. We've never done this before. So next week, every cent that comes in, we are giving it away to other people who need it so we can love like Jesus. And the first thing we're doing is we're partnering for, with Habitat for Humanity to build a house right here in Waukesha. And we're going to impact a poor family by, by helping to raise the money, to raise volunteers to build this house so they can be able to purchase it, so they can be part of, uh, have a house that so they can live in as a family. And we're praying for $25,000 to give to them next weekend. The next project we'll be doing and partnering with in Loving Like Jesus with is in Nairobi, Kenya. We've been impacting a slum there called Baba Ndogo for years by sponsoring children and supporting the ministries. And now we're going to love like Jesus by providing them equipment that they need to continue in their mission and their ministry to love like Jesus over there. We're going to get them computers. We're going to provide insurance for their pastor over there so they can continue to love like Jesus. And we're praying for another $25,000 to give to them. And in fact, Marion Wallace, the people, some of the people we support over there, they'll be here at Riverland in a couple of weeks so they can give us a firsthand account and update of how Jesus is transforming lives over in Nairobi, Kenya. And now I'm excited to announce the third initiative that we'll be giving uh, money to by Loving Like Jesus with next week. Something I love about Riverland, something that made me want to be here six years ago when I took this job here, is that Riverland's never been just about ourselves. We want to see all people transformed by Jesus, and that's why five years ago, Ben laid out a vision for us that we were going to plant five churches in the next 10 years, and that's how we were, a way we we're going to love like Jesus. And it seemed like a tall task, but God has been moving. We planted our first one in Menominee Falls called Legacy Christian Church. And, uh, and our second church plant happened a little after that. It was called Lake Point Church in Muskego. And Lake Point's doing awesome. They are impacting their community. They are loving people like Jesus. And recently, they just bought a piggly, old Piggly Wiggly grocery store, and they are transforming that into their first ever uh, permanent building. And they'll be moving in in November. And it's exciting. And I'm, I'm excited how God's going to continue to work with them. Yeah. We're celebrating Lake, uh, Lake Point. Our third church plant was we raised the monies to build and hire the, a pastor in Ecuador, and that church is making a huge impact in a poor community in that country. And then last year, we launched church number four, Ethnos Church, which is a multi-ethnic church that got started in Milwaukee. And it's been so cool seeing how God is moving. And I am excited to tell you that in 2016, we are accomplishing five and 10. 
Because in Wauwatosa, city of, the City of Light Church will be launching next year and will be led by a na- man named Brian McKee. And Brian will actually be here in our services next weekend to talk about the church plant. And we are praying and asking for and hoping that God provides another $25,000 so we can give that to him to launch this church. This is why. Yes, absolutely. We're excited. Five and ten, guys, we did it. And we're not done. We are not done yet. We're not going to stop loving like Jesus. Next weekend is going to be an amazing weekend. That's going to be a great moment for us to love like Jesus because we've been loved by Jesus. We're called to love like Jesus. And so River Glen, let's love like Jesus. Let's do this. Let's continue to do this. Let's be like Zacchaeus and respond to Jesus' love by loving others like Jesus loves us. Can you imagine the impact we're going to continue to make? And so I want to invite you to pray and pray hard this week. Pray for our church and pray for the impact and pray for yourself about how God is asking us to love like he loves us and how he's asking you to give, sacrificially even, to love like Jesus, to impact these three areas next week. The staff's been praying about it. My wife and I, we've been talking and praying about it, how next week our giving is not gonna be a normal week of giving. We're gonna go above and extra to love like Jesus because that's what he does for us. Next weekend will not be an ordinary weekend for River Glen. But I'm not talking about some ordinary love. I'm talking about a love that transforms. Because if we believe and have been transformed by the love of Jesus, shouldn't that impact the way we give? Shouldn't that impact us reaching out and inviting others who, doesn't, who don't know Jesus, never, been, you know, never experienced that love of Jesus, shouldn't that impact us reaching out to them and inviting them to come and join us on this journey? Shouldn't that impact the way we serve, the way we love? Shouldn't that impact us joining a group Shouldn't that impact uh, our purpose and change our purpose to not being about ourselves, but by being about following and loving like Jesus? That's what Jesus' love does for that, us. That's what it does. And I love this church, and you love this church, all because Jesus loved us first. And we remember that each week. We remember that love. We worship what Jesus has done through communion. There was no greater act of his love than who he willingly chose to go to the cross to die for us so he could love us, so he could come into our lives and transform us. And so after I pray, I invite all followers of Jesus to worship God in this time to remember this great act of love. And it's through this that we can be loved, that we can be transformed, that we can be changed, and we can have an eternal relationship with God through Jesus. That's why I love this church, because Jesus loved us first. So let's go love like Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, thanks so much for today and this chance to come together to talk to friends, to hang out, to sing. Uh, But God, just to be reminded of how much you love us. God, we're all broken individuals, but you choose to love us and change us anyway. And God, right now, I pray for anyone in this room right now, that they're in the Zacchaeus moment. They're up in their tree, and they want to catch a glimpse of you, but they're not getting close to you. God, I pray that you call them out by name into their hearts right now and remind them that you know them, and you love them, and you want, you're asking, you're inviting yourself into their lives. I pray they hear that, and they respond to you today. And God, I pray for us who've been experienced and transformed by Jesus' love, by by your son's love, that we now love like him. Teach us how to do that, Lord. Help us to not be focused on ourselves by focusing on you and following Jesus and loving like him. And God, help us to transform the world through that love. Jesus, we love you and it's your name we pray. Amen.